Hey there, mother lovers. Welcome back to another episode of Last Call at McLaren's. I am your co-host, Josh, here with an amazing guy, my friend, my brother, John. How you doing, bro? I'm good. Can't be confused with you, but uh, I'm pretty good. True. Uh, this is the second take on this opening, just so you know. <laughs> Called myself John the first time. Had to fix it up. <laughs> All right. So uh, today, we are going to be talking... Season 1, Episode 10, The Pineapple Incident. This is a a, a real famous episode, I'll say. This by far might be one of my top 10 favorite episodes of the entire series. It's a a damn good one. It's a damn good one. You're a damn good one. I know. But before we get into the episode, John, we have a five-star review to give a shout-out to from apple podcasts here this is from uh username miko girl the the title of this uh review is legendary Ah, and uh, and they say uh started listening from the beginning love how i met your mother and this cheers me up on my work commutes well miko girl thank you so much for listening absolutely we love you and we're gonna we're gonna keep on pumping out these episodes. Whoa, bro, 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 pump the brakes. You cannot just tell some random girl who left us a review you love her. Hey man, if what Ted Mosby can do it. Ted Mosby? If Ted Mosby can do it, so can I. Ah, Come on, man. I'm Jed Mosley. <laughs> That's right. But uh thank you again, Miko Girl. And Absolutely. I hope I hope we're that really this glad that people are enjoying this podcast and thank you for the awesome five star review. Absolutely. I hope that this makes your work commute just that much better. All right. So, like I said, today we're talking about the pineapple incident. This episode aired November 28th of 2005, directed by Pamela Fryman, written by the creators of the show Carter Bays and Craig Thomas. Uh, and the sun, which I mean, I feel like it's kind of like it almost seems obvious, right? Because it's such a good episode. Yeah, and it's the guys who created the show. It's like, I mean, they know what's going on, you know. Uh, but the summary for this episode says the gang tries to reconstruct what happened to Ted the previous night after he wakes up with a girl in his bed, no memory of the evening, and a pineapple on his nightstand. Yep, that's right. So I had, uh, as I do with most episodes, I have some side notes here. Uh, they make up a new drink in this episode, which I think was kind of cool. Uh, again, I wasn't able to find like you know actual ingredients, but this is something that I noticed happens a lot throughout the show. You know, we just saw it in the previous previous episode. You know, with uh, the Thanks Teeny and the the Quanzapolitan, and then in the Barney's blog there was a whole list of them. Then in this episode we get uh, a new drink. We get the um, the, uh, the what's it called? The one that becomes the Robin Shabatsky. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the Minnesota tidal wave. Tidal wave, yeah, that one. So like, this is something that happens through you know a few times throughout, which I think is really interesting. Um, this is where we get the very first Daddy's Home. Yeah, Barney is in this episode, uh, and we get the first baby doll reference from Ted, which I don't honestly know if it comes back anywhere other than the wedding. Uh, the Wedding Bride episode? I don't believe it does, but I don't think I'd ever caught it in this one until I went back and watched it today either. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh shit, he he uses the baby doll thing in season one. Yeah. 
And that definitely comes back in with Jed Mosley. So, oh, absolutely. Which I think is hilarious. Oh, he said at that time. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so episode starts off. We got future Ted. He's telling a story uh, that he doesn't fully remember. You know, it's uh, a story that he's only heard from other people. It's one that Marshall loves to tell. And he refers to it as the pineapple, pineapple incident. incident. So we head to the bar. Carl, the bartender, brings over a tray of shots that he made, and they are called the Red Dragon. I tried, like I said, I tried looking up an official recipe for this, could not find anything. I found like some other people's like uh, interpretations of it, their versions of it, but no official uh, recipe. But you know, is what it is. Go ahead. You know, guys, if you have your own version of the Red Dragon, I want to hear about it. Hit us up on Twitter at last call H I M Y M. Send us your personal recipe for the last dragon with a little picture of it. I want to see that. We'll, we'll show this on the podcast. Shit. I might even make it and drink it right here on the podcast. Boom. There it is. Uh, so after Carl walks away, they all agree. They're not going to do these shots. Nope. Lily even comments that it looks like blood. And yep. this is where Marshall asks the question. Is Carl a vampire? Yeah. And I love it, too, because he's like, you know, guys, I know I've brought this up before, and you guys keep shooting this down. Yeah. But could Carl be a vampire? Everybody's like, bro, you're dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. I love that it's something that it's not the first time he's brought this up. Yeah, and I love how, like, he clearly says that, too. He's like, you know, this isn't the first time we've mentioned this. And I'm like, yeah, really? Like, <laughs> what the fuck else could possibly be going on with Carl? That you're that suspicious that he's a vampire. Yeah. Well, I mean, we do learn that Marshall's super, like, super believes in, like, supernatural yeah. stuff, you yeah. know? And I don't know, man. Maybe uh, it's just something that got into his head and it just keeps yeah. on, you know, keeps on ticking away at him. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, so Robin reveals that she has a date. Uh, Lily calls him a billionaire, but Robin uh, says he's just a hundred millionaire. Yeah. Stop rounding yeah. up. I thought was hilarious. And this guy we uh, wind up meeting, his name is Derek. We, we meet him in the next episode yep. for the first time. Which I think is interesting because when, because like I remember the next episode, which is the limo. I remember this episode before even watching it again. Yeah. And I'll be, I did not remember that he was supposed to be the hundred millionaire. Because I don't, I didn't remember that line from this episode oh okay yeah i knew that he was like a wealthy guy because like they say that in the limo yeah. episode like but like he the dude's like a crazy millionaire guy you know yeah. what i mean so i'm like oh shit all right um maybe uh do better guy but we'll get there we'll get there when we get there uh she robin heads out after some razzing by the group uh, once gone, Marshall asks Ted if uh, if he's okay with the girl of his dreams going out with this guy. And Ted acts all nonchalant about it. Uh, you know, we obviously know the truth. He's oh, really yeah. not okay, and that's kind of where this whole episode stems from is is the fact that he's just not okay with what's going on in his own life. Barney goes uh, over to some girls that, that are sitting in the bar, and he uses the daddy's home line. And Ted mocks him for it. We don't actually we we see the girls in the background, but you don't really pay any attention to them. Nope. At first, um, 
but when I when I do this uh, the show when I do my prep, I watch the episode a couple of times, and so on my second viewing, I actually was paying attention, and it is those those four oh, yeah. actresses, which I thought was really cool. It's like they're actually there doing you know uh, doing the stuff with Barney, and later on with with Ted, uh, just in the background, which I thought was kind of really a nice a nice um, piece of continuity for them. Yeah. You know, because like they could have, they could have kept those girls off screen. They didn't sure. have to be on screen, but I like that they are because it shows you the the realness of it. You know, so yeah. it's like if you're really paying attention, you'll see them again, which I think is really cool. Uh, Marshall continues to uh, question whether Carl's a vampire. Then Barney walks back to the table with a girl's phone number named Amy. As far as we know, it's Amy. Uh, he tells Ted that he thinks too much. Marshall and Lily agree, and Ted decides he's not going to think anymore. And he just downs all five of those red dragon shots. Oh, man. And we've done, you know, when we were younger, we did a lot of shots. <laughs> but just downing five back to back, man, like, that's asking for trouble. Well, so this this is what 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 went through my head watching this episode back. First off, you don't actually know what's in those shots. Carl never actually says what he makes the shot. Yeah, not not at all. Two, you don't really know Carl at this point. Like we don't know Carl. They might as much as they frequent the bar. Yeah. There could have been something in those drinks. Yeah, I mean that's that's true. You, you don't you have no idea. Um, I mean, I guess uh, you you want to be able to uh, trust your bartender, you know? I mean, yeah. <laughs> but like Marshall says, he could be a vampire. Maybe <laughs> Ted's could a vampire. Now. Maybe Ted's a vampire now. You don't know. Maybe that makes no sense. <laughs> uh, but after the fifth shot, Ted blacks out. We get this weird, hazy dream sequence, which is really neat. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of reminiscent of, like, the Willy Wonka tunnel or, like, <laughs> uh, like a Doctor Who kind of thing. Even the music's kind of Doctor Who-ish, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, we get – there's all kinds of you, – you know, you see the pineapple. There's, like, a, there, there's a red dragon in there and a bunch of random numbers and stuff, yep. which I'm assuming is the phone number that we learn later on is on Ted's arm. Probably. I'm not sure, but that's the only thing I could think of. Is like, what would the numbers be if not for that? Um, could be Trudy's number. That's true. It could be, but but they're like they're like handwritten. You know what I mean? Oh, then they were definitely probably so, the ones on Ted's arm. Yeah, I think I think they have to be the ones uh, on Ted's arm. Uh, so then Ted wakes up in his bed, pineapple on the nightstand, and an unknown girl next to him. Uh, he gets out of bed, realizes he has a sprained ankle, goes out to the living room. Asks Lily and Marshall what the hell happened last night. Yep. And they begin to fill him in. And us. Well, So we flash back to the bar. Carl comes over to see uh, if they like the shots. Ted responds with, uh, I drank all five, bitch. All five, man. And then reveals to Carl that Marshall thinks he's a vampire. I, I, I kind of face. Yeah, he, he was not happy. I really wish that... Uh, We'd gotten some sort of like conversation between Carl and Marshall about that. I think it would have been hilarious. I mean, it probably would have been funny. Yeah. But I really, I th- I went back and thought about it, and I'm pretty sure there's a 
a Halloween episode later on where Carl dresses up as a vampire. Oh, if that's if that's true, that's going to be awesome. Because <laughs> uh, I was thinking about it, and I, I'm pretty sure I remember an episode where they might have done like a Halloween episode or for some I don't know. Yeah. But for some reason, I do remember Carl being a vampire. Okay, well, we'll have to definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, we then learn that Ted is vomit free since ninety three. Or I mean, it's so impressive. Think, or so we think. So we think. Uh, Ted, uh, drunk Ted, I should say, pulls out his flip phone. And flip phone, kids, for those of you who don't know, is a cell phone that just flips in half. You know, it comes up. It's got buttons. Uh, you, 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 can't, uh, you can't go on Facebook. You know, it's, uh, it's just there to call and text. And that's it. Yep. This was you know, before the internet on the yeah. phones. There's no Tinder on there. There's no uh, Candy Crush on there. Oh, Sorry. no Facebook, no Snapchat. <laughs> yep, none of that. You're not snapping pictures of your butt and sending it to guys. You're going to have to actually send a real picture. I was going to say. That he gets to keep. Back in the day, cell phones didn't have cameras. Well, some did, but they were the more expensive ones. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I know that at one point Barney has a flip phone with a camera, but it's like the crappiest yeah. one. It's like this little tiny picture, and he's doing the, the yep. eye thing. The I remember thing. that. Yeah. It's, I think that's hilarious. Uh, anyways, Ted heads to the bathroom, but instead puts Cheap Trick on the jukebox and uh, calls Robin again. He proceeds to drunkenly sing uh, while talking to her and then climbs up on a table, dances a little bit, and then falls off said table. In this scene, you can see those women uh, again, yep. right there, including Trudy, who we who we meet later on, uh, right there, which I think is great. Another great uh, kind of moment for the show, where if you've already seen it, you're like, "Oh shit, they're right there." Yeah, which I think is fantastic. Definitely. I think it's really funny that that's how he sprained his ankle falling off the table somehow, because yeah. like it's a pretty solid fall right to the floor. So I'm not quite sure how that happens yeah i know <laughs> it's funny because you know we've been drunk plenty of times you know uh and i i know we've both hurt ourselves while being drunk and have been able to just because like he continues his night he does without any sprained ankle issue you know what i mean True he's not limping around or anything throughout the rest of it Hey, when um, you were alcohol fueled, <laughs> yeah, man, it, it just it numbs you, you know. And so, like, I thought it was funny because, like, I totally understand that. Oh I've yeah, you know, I totally have been there. <laughs> it's like uh, not some not great memories all the time, but you know. <laughs> uh, so we flash back to the present, and he reveals that there is a girl in his bed. They also discover that his jacket has a huge burn hole in it. Yeah. So they call Barney, and they find him sleeping in their tub, which I think is is hilarious. Uh, and, and this is not the last time you see somebody sleeping in that tub. Uh, it comes back in other statement. episodes, which I which I love. Uh, so he yeah, fills them in. Also, the last time you ever see Barney sleeping in the tub, though. That's true. That's it, true. It's, it happened a couple times where he'll sleep over in his suit and yeah. sleep in the tub for that reason. Yeah, because the porcelain keeps his suit from wrinkling. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, they call Barney, like I said, and then he fills them in on some more of the story. 
after Marshall and Lily put Ted to bed, he got back up and went back to the bar where Barney uh, was proclaiming, uh, or where Barney was, and he proclaims, I'm back, baby doll! This is where we get the first time uh, of him saying that, which, uh, like we said later on uh, in the series, comes back. The whole baby yeah. doll thing comes back in the wedding bride stuff, which is which is fantastic. No Newsville, baby, baby doll. doll. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if I've ever... And this is the thing. I'm going to be paying attention now as to see if uh, uh, Ted says baby doll any other times. I mean... Because I'm, I'm gonna, I'll be with you on that. Yeah, because like outside of of Jed Mosley doing it in that in that movie, I, I didn't think it was actually something Ted said in well, in the and, actual show. And that's the thing; I didn't ever recall it either. And yeah, every time like Chris Kattan would say it in the movie, I'm like, I've never remembered Ted saying "baby doll" ever. Let alone yeah. no Ken Doosville baby doll. Yeah. Like, uh, but apparently the baby doll right here in season one, man. I mean, so <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a great watch now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to definitely be paying attention. Especially when it comes to Stella. Because, you know, that's where it's all centered around, the whole movie thing. And I'm, I really wanted to know, because, like, if he doesn't say it to Stella, then they wouldn't know about it. You know what I mean? So I really, I am going to be paying close attention. Uh, Permission to to quote Seinfeld. Go ahead. Permission granted. (laughs) Yes. Uh Uh, So uh, Barney tries to play. Have you met Ted? But Ted is trying to call Robin again. Again. Yeah. It's not, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea to have your phone on you like that. When you're drunk, you're that drunk. Yeah. Give your phone to somebody else because, yeah, you're going to make calls or texts that you're going to regret in the morning. Yes, sir. Uh, so Barney tells him that if he completes that call, yeah. he's, he's going to set, set him his on fire. Up. And he does, man. He was not lying. And that uh, is how we find out that's where that burn hole in his jacket came from. Ted, not happy about this. But you know what, Ted? Maybe uh, you should have paid more attention and not gotten ripped off because this is not real suede. It's a blend. I just, I like love that. how he's like, you set me on fire, and Barney's like, well, I mean, if this was real suede, it wouldn't have went up like that. <laughs> yeah, like, I love that. <laughs> like, that's anything to do with the argument. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, they then ask Barney, uh, you know, if he knows who the girl is in his room, and Barney just rushes over to, to his room to see, because he, he can't believe it. And, yeah. Uh, he, he has no clue who that girl is. Uh, and Marshall is the only one who's interested in finding out about this pineapple. I mean, it's the only one. In all fairness, it's a really good question. It is, uh, and it's a question that we will divulge. Oh yes. later on yeah. in the episode. So if you guys don't know, because some people listening to this may have watched the whole series and may still not know this, Might, uh, maybe. So uh, I hope that you stick around. So Ted discovers a message on his arm. And it reads, hi, I'm Ted. If lost, please call. And then there's a phone number. Uh, they call it, and they find out that it's Carl from the bar. Yeah. Uh, I find this funny because earlier when Marshall is talking about Carl being a vampire, he's like, you never see him in the daytime. Well, it's literally the daytime, right? Yeah, now. I was going to say, it's, it's got to be like noon at this point in the show. Yeah, and Carl is at the bar. Yeah. So, I mean, 
sorry, Marshall, that uh, debunks your whole thing. <laughs> Unless he's like Blade and he's a daywalker, then who knows? You know, or maybe he, he, the bar leads to like an underground catacomb. I mean, in all so fairness, he, though, the sunlight never actually hits him. There's no direct sunlight in the bar, though. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, maybe he just goes underground. Maybe you know, you know when the bar. Comes. I mean, you never see him step outside. There you go. I, I don't. I don't think we do see him outside. No. Do we? We never see Carl outside. We see the other guy go outside. Doug. We see Doug, Doug yeah. go outside. We definitely see. Oh wait, no, no, no. We do see Carl outside of the bar. I think one time, and it's at a funeral. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the only time that we see him outside of the bar. But you're you know, right. Maybe he put on a lot of sunscreen. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so uh, Carl fills them uh, in more of the story. So we're getting pieces from everybody. You know, we got pieces from Lillian Marshall. We got uh, some pieces from Barney. Now we're getting some more from Carl. Uh, apparently, after Barney put Ted to bed. Ted got up and went back to the bar. I'm back, baby doll, says it again. And went right to the bathroom to throw up. Yep. He uh, then talks to Carl, tells him that karaoke means empty orchestra in Japanese. And it's hauntingly beautiful. Hauntingly beautiful. And then he flat out asks Carl if he's a vampire, which I thought was great. Dude, it's, honestly, I love that it's one of the running gags in this this episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Carl cuts him off, uh, and Ted asks him how easy it would be to sneak into the zoo. Uh, this is where Carl then writes the message on Ted's arm yep. so that if somebody finds him in a gutter, they'll call him and, and he'll go pick Ted up. Uh Ted then leans into Carl. He's like, we can't keep denying this, uh, these uh, feelings we have for one another. And Carl's like, uh, what are you talking about? And Ted's like, uh, Robin. And so he goes and calls Robin again, as far as we know, and invites her to his place. She says, yes, or so we think. That's right. Keep tuned. Uh, if you haven't watched the episode, I don't know why you're listening to this. I'm just saying. right. <laughs> I'm over I here. I say that at least every couple of episodes, but yeah, yeah. I'm over here being all coy and shit. Like, oh, <laughs> it's not Robin, guys. It's just not. It's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, so we wind up back at the apartment. Uh, they come to the conclusion, at least they think that Ro- that the girl in the in the bed is Robin. Yep. So Ted, so Ted kind of it starts freaking out. You know, he's like, "Well, what does this mean? You know, what's this going to do?" Uh, so Ted goes to wake her up, but as he's in the room, right before he wakes her up, Robin calls him. So obviously this girl sleeping in the bed is not Robin. Yep. She says, Robin says that she's going to swing by so that they can talk about all these phone calls that he's, he made over, you know, the, the, the entirety of the night. And, uh, before he can tell her not to, you know, she hangs up and now they got to worry about. Oh, well, there's this girl here, and Robin's coming over, and what do we do? And Lily says, uh, if the girl isn't Robin, then who is it? And then out comes Trudy, played by uh, Danica McKellar, who some of you may recognize as Winnie from The Wonder Years. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. She also, I found out, voices Miss Martian on the animated DC series Young Justice. No shit. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. It is Uh, really cool. 
I didn't I didn't realize that. Like I've I've watched all those episodes and uh did not realize that that was her. So I thought right. that was so, really cool. So question about Danica McMillan. McKellar. McKellar, sorry. You know, so a lot of people do know her from the Wonder Years. So here's my question for you. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Would you lend me an ear? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, come on, man. You should have kept going. It would have been awesome. <laughs> I couldn't give you a straight face anymore. Oh, that was great, dude. That was that was that was perfect. I loved it. I loved every second of it. I might clip it out and just uh, put it at the beginning of the, <laughs> of the episode. I don't know. <laughs> oh man, just enjoying the like for those of you listening to the podcast and you're not watching the video, his face lit up like it's just true. so bright. <laughs> as soon as I realized what exactly was it was going on, clicked in my brain. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. This oh is man. For those right. of you who don't know, those were the lyrics to the theme song from the Wonder Years, yeah. performed by the Beatles. Oh, is that who did that? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. The song oh. is called With Help From Our Friends, and it's performed by the Beatles. Interesting. Hmm. Did not know that. But see, now you'll learn something. Something new every day. All right. So uh, Trudy goes on to fill them in on the rest of the story. Oh, my uh, God. And the rest of the story from her perspective Oh, it's, yeah. it's probably the craziest part of the story. Yeah, it, it's good stuff. Uh, so we go. We flash back to the bar. She's there with her friends. We've seen her before. We yep. didn't know who she was, but we've seen her before. Uh, it's She's post-breakup. She's ready to pick up some random guy. Barney comes over, and she's like, uh, maybe the next one. And this is where we see the other side of the daddy's home scene. Yep. Barney gets shot down by the table, but he decides he needs to prove a point to Ted. And he grabs a napkin. He writes down a fake number, and he's like, your name is Amy. He just writes it down <laughs> and heads off. Then we see Ted dancing on the table. You know, yep. that, that scene from, from, but it's from her perspective this time. Uh, Trudy says, yeah, she thinks he's cute. And he crashes off the table, which I thought was hilarious seeing that again. <laughs> uh, and then they're in. We get to the women's bathroom. Uh, Trudy's at the sink, and Ted comes out of the stall. Yeah, and, and he's like, "Why are you in the men's room? Wait, why am I in the ladies' room?" <laughs> and she's like, "Well, why are you in the ladies' room?" And he tells her that uh, he came in there to throw up. This is when he came the second time. Yeah, uh, you know, he came back to the bar after after Barney Marshall put him, put him back. Um, no, after Ted or after I Barney mean, you put mean him after Barney. Yeah, after after Barney yeah, yeah. put him to bed, he comes back, and as soon as he comes back, he has to go throw up. Yeah, um, and so we think that he broke his streak, but we yeah. find out here that he actually did not break his streak. Uh, and on the three since ninety three. That's right. Uh, and they begin to talk. They begin to talk, and she says, uh, "You know, she had a long week, and she could stand to do something stupid." And I love Ted's line. It's it's so funny. I'm something stupid. Do me. Yeah. 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 It's the, I'm something stupid. Do me. And she, she, she chuckled at it, which I thought, it, I thought it was really funny. If the thing is though, if he wasn't drunk, like visibly drunk, right. That line would come off super creepy. That'd be like a line that Barney would say. Yeah, right? absolutely. But you know, it, it's Ted being drunk and, you know, kind of has that, like that Ted 
cuteness going on that he somehow gives off to the ladies um, that it works for him. It really doesn't. And it doesn't come off super creepy. No, this is one of those sheer moments where like, like you've said before, Mm -hmm. Ted can play that Ted charm. Mm -hmm. And this just happens to fall in that really weird Ted vibe moment where like this line works for him. Where if Barney would have delivered it, it would have been like the creepiest, (laughs) most cringy thing ever. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, because like if you if you take Ted out of this exact scene and put a sober Barney here, the whole thing is really creepy because he's in the ladies room first off. True. You know, and then the, that line, the whole thing just it's we see that uh later on in the series where they make that comparison, you know, where uh it's all about how how things are taken by the other yes. person. You're like we talked um, about that in a, another episode recently, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like I said, we see later on with Marshall and Lily when they first uh, kind of meet. And, uh, yeah, I love that they're kind of utilizing that in, in early episodes. You know, yeah. like things like that, that uh, if done differently, would come off super, super creepy. Absolutely. Uh, so then Ted asks her uh, for her number. She gives it to him. Um, this is where we find out that it was Trudy who gave Ted the karaoke line. Yeah. This is how he knew that and says it to Carl later on. Uh, we also learn that it was Trudy that he called and not Robin. Yeah. Cause he accidentally calls her while they're in the bathroom and he's like, Oh, yeah. it works. And she's like, then you should call me. Yeah. And then after, uh, after Carl puts his number on his arm, on Ted's arm, that the person that he calls is, is actually Trudy, yep. which, uh, and then she, you know, he asks her to come over, and obviously she does. So, uh, uh, yeah, they do. Marshall has a a bit of an outburst here. Asks Trudy about the pineapple. You know, he's what about obs- the pineapple, Trudy? <laughs> he's obsessed with this pineapple, man. It's it's ridiculous. It's hilarious, though. But I feel like there's no one else that it could have been. It had to be Marshall's. You know what I mean? I mean, you're no, you're 100 percent right on that one. Yeah, I feel like anybody else, it just, like, it fits that Marshall's the one, like, I need to know about this fucking pineapple. Well, it's a mysterious <laughs> thing. Like, of course Marshall's going to want to know. Yeah, exactly. Like, did an alien put it there? Marshall might say <laughs> yes. I don't know. Did a Bigfoot break into the apartment and throw a pineapple there? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I would believe that. Those fucking <laughs> Bigfoots, man, they're they're vicious. They are, man. They are a wily bunch. A wily <laughs> bunch. Uh, so then uh, Robin shows up. And Ted has to push Trudy essentially into his room, tells her to hide. She uh, she thinks that he's like it's either his girlfriend or he's married, and he's like, you know, I'll I'll explain everything, but you have to hide first. Yeah, which seems real weird. It really does. Like it's like that's not a situation you want to be in. You know, no. for for her. So the others. Uh, so Robin comes in. The others leave the room so that Ted and Robin can talk. Uh, Robin plays an awkward phone message from Ted, uh, something that we didn't get to hear or, or see in the episode. So that means that he was calling her more than we saw. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Robin's concerned that Ted hasn't moved on, you know? And, I mean, we really, we know Ted hasn't moved on. No. Yeah, I mean, we see that throughout the next couple episodes, you know? we, we really. But he tries to say he has. Oh, yeah. He wants to believe it. He really does. He, he wants to, to be able to say, yes, I have moved on. I, I'm going to find somebody else. But unfortunately for him, he just he just hasn't. Nope. Um, 
And so, uh, you know, he tells, he tells, uh, Robin that he, you know, slept with, with a girl. He brought, uh, you know, brought a girl home and he goes to introduce Trudy to Robin, uh, to prove that she's real. And when they go in Ted's room, she's gone. The window's wide open and she's gone. Ted thinks that she climbed out the fire escape, which yep. uh, we, we do find out later on. That's exactly what happened. Um, and like in a, in a future episode, we find that out. Uh, Robin acts like the pineapple is Trudy. And I'll be, I think I was like, like that was kind of bitchy in my opinion. Like, honestly, it really was. I was like, because Marshall, Lily and Barney can all verify. There was a woman in Ted's room. Exactly. Like they're just in the kitchen. It's not like they left the apartment. No, they just, they went into the kitchen. Yeah. It could literally be like, yeah, there was a a girl here. Why you had, why you acting like this, Robin? Like I know Ted Ted called you a bunch last night. Honestly, don't act like a dick. Makes Robin look like a catty bitch. Yeah, she. Yeah, I'm like, stop being a dick. Like, come on, Robin. Like, ooh, you're dating a guy with money. You're better than the rest of the fucking group. Now we get it, Robin. Fuck you. Yeah, and, and that happens a few times with her throughout the series. Where oh, she, especially when uh, Simon. Whenever Simon fucking comes around, man. Oh yeah, Simon. Fuck that guy. <laughs> absolutely fuck that guy with a hot fucking poker right in his ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Robin tells Ted, uh, you know, not to feel bad about all this. And then I'm like, he has nothing to feel bad about. I mean, maybe he shouldn't have been calling her, but the rest of the stuff he has nothing to feel bad about because he wasn't lying about it. Nope. Um, and tells him to get some sleep. Then future Ted reveals that uh, he left a message for Trudy, but never heard back. Uh, he says that they never found out where the pineapple came from, but that it was delicious. And we see them uh, eating the pineapple. Uh, and that's the end of the episode. Uh, there is something that I want to talk about, and that is the pineapple. You know, it's something that is never answered in the show. No. However, there is a deleted scene from season nine. Uh, this scene was cut out apparently because of time constraints. And so it's just somewhere, you know, it's probably on like the DVD box set. I'm sure you can find it online. I was going to say, I found it on YouTube. Yeah, I know I've seen it. So uh, if you guys have not seen this, I highly recommend just hopping on YouTube and looking up uh, the pineapple incident deleted scene or whatever. Yeah. You know, the, you know, how, how, you know, where'd the pineapple go? I don't even know what it would be called, to be honest with you. I think it's called the, pineap- uh, the pineapple explanation. Okay, yeah. So look that up. Uh, essentially what it is, we learn that the pineapple was outside of the captain's townhouse. And they yeah. took, and Ted took it from the townhouse. Now, do you remember I the story? I, I don't, because uh, I didn't go back and rewatch it. I just remember so, it being there. The story is is that back in the, like, like um, I don't want to say older days, but like yesteryears, people used to put pineapples out for Would sale. Would you say the wonder dog. years? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so people used to put pineapples out in front of their houses and stuff like that for like sailors, passerbys, gypsies, people to take the fruit and stuff like that, or homeless people even, and they could feed people. And it was a a nice gesture to people. And because of the captain being a boat-friendly person, guarantee he would know that lore, probably put a pineapple out every night. Probably. He was a weird guy. He was. But here's what I find interesting. This is something that's tied to season one. Okay? So we're supposed to believe that Ted randomly shows up at the captain's 
townhouse and steals this pineapple. Yeah, we never we don't meet the captain until like season six. True statement. So like, I mean, that's a big coincidence. You well, know here's, what I mean? here's an even bigger thing though. Where in the the span of that night does Ted end up across town at the captain's? That's true. Yeah, because I don't honestly remember where exactly the captain lives in comparison. Neither do I, but I just remember it wasn't. Specifically where the townhouse is. Yeah. In comparison to, um, to like their, to the bar and stuff. Yeah. So I'm just like, I I don't know how far away it is. It could have been really far. Uh, And how did he just randomly get there? Because it's not like he went to the captain's house knowing the captain because he didn't know the captain. Yeah, so I don't know. It's uh, I, I like that there is an explanation, but I do wish it was kind of better. Yeah, I don't know, but that, that that's that's me uh, wanting more from my pineapple. Uh, so that is the uh, pineapple uh, incident, John. Yep. What did you think about this episode overall? Like I said, this this episode is in my top ten. Yeah, um, it's a, it, it, it's fantastic. I I love the way. It's structured with the bouncing back and forth through time, yeah. getting getting certain parts at certain times, but all the good reveals are saved for the end with Trudy, which I love. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they did a great job of uh, piecing this one together. I will say that this is a great episode of High Your Mother. Yeah, easily. It's, I mean, it's one of the first ten episodes. It's by far probably the best episode in the first ten. It sets up a lot of shit to, you know, this episode puts a lot of shit, like, straight to fact. Yeah. You know, Ted's still not over Robin. They introduced the Trudy character, which, like you said, she comes back in, I think it's season three, season four. Yeah, something like that. Um, You know, it's, it's, you get to see, like, Robin's changing with his boyfriend, the rich boyfriend. Yeah. Um. You know, Barney's trying his daddy's home line, which becomes one of his big staples for a long time. Yeah. Marshall and Lily just kind of being supporting of Ted and yeah. you know it's it's a great fucking yeah. episode. Plus for however long cuz you like this is season 1 and they didn't do the reveal until like season 9 with the whole pineapple incident. We went for like 8 years just wanting to know where the fucking pineapple come from, Trudy. <laughs> you want to know what's what's even worse for Ted? Is he never knows. He never finds out. That's true. You know, future Ted says that they never found out where that pineapple came from. And we're talking 25 years, you know, like it's 25 years in the future. He goes 25 years. I, that would, that would bother the fuck That's out true of because that deleted scene technically doesn't exist in the, the canon yeah. of the universe. Well, like, even if it does, it's not It's not like somebody is telling that part of a story. It's just, here's a scene for the audience to understand. True. You know what I mean? So, like, even if it was kept in the episode, it, it nobody else knew about it. That's true. It's just us learning about it later on. And I, I feel bad, because, like, like I said, that would bother me, you know? I feel like I feel like it had to kind of almost eat at Marshall, too. Because he wanted to know so Dude, bad. He wanted to know worse than Ted did. Yeah. And Ted, like I mean, in all fairness, Ted didn't even give a shit about the pineapple. I wouldn't be surprised if Marshall like 
had notebooks uh, of stuff. Like, okay, where, you know, like made a board. Yeah, trying to figure out where did this pineapple come from. I could yeah. see that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally believe that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. So now that we're done with the actual main part of the episode, it is that time again for Barney's Blog. Yeah, it is. Suit up, bitches. It's time <laughs> to talk about the blog. All it's right. It's getting better. It, it is. It's getting better. Uh, this uh, edition of the blog is titled Let's Close a Deal. It was released Tuesday, November 29th, uh, 2005 at 6.03 p.m. Uh, and it is a quiz that Barney uh, gives yeah. out. It is a uh, are you a closer or a loser quiz. Oh, boy. And, and John, I'm going to quiz you. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. <laughs> you're, you're, getting, you're getting quizzed. All it's, right. it's only five questions. Okay. So prepare yourself. All right. Are you a closer or are you a loser? Well, I'd like to hope I'm a closer. According to Barney Stinson. All right. Question one, John. You're three minutes into a conversation with some long-legged Sally when you realize you've already forgotten her name. Oh, no. You decide to, A, politely offer, I'm so sorry, your name went in and out of my ears, probably because I was rendered deaf and dumb by your Hellenic beauty and warming smile rendered so deaf and dumb, in fact, that I legally classified as a moron. B, pull over your wingman and say you'd like to introduce him to her, then doing your best to ignore her laughter and the slow advances of your wingman's hand down her back, withdraw from the conversation and attempt to isolate only her name. Did you get it? You did? That's great. C. Devilishly inquire what her name is, then suggest that you would have guessed her middle name. You might make an optional Rumpelstiltskin joke here, or alternatively strangle yourself. Or D. Or D. Nothing, you pansy. Shakespeare said it himself. A name is like a rose, difficult to care for, and thorny as crap. Besides, you've got more important things to do like secure your action. I'm going to go with D on this one. All right. Mark down a D for John. Question two. You offer to buy her a drink, and she responds, no thanks. In response, you, A, suggest that it's a good call. Irresponsible alcohol abuse can quickly lead to impulsive decisions one might immediately regret, like letting her get away without a drink, dummy. B, Playfully respond, fine. How about I buy two drinks? And if one happens to find its way into your hand, so be it. So what drink should I get? C, buy her a cosmopolitan, daiquiri, Midori sour, and and correctly inform her that it doesn't count as a drink, but it would be irresponsible of her to waste it, given global hunger and whatnot. (laughs) D, quickly answer, yes, good call. Let's adjourn to my nearby hotel suite for a creme de menthe and back rub conference. Keynote speaker, you. B. B. All right. Marking you down. Question three. After inquiring about her plans for later in the evening, she says, I'm hanging out with my friends tonight. You respond, great. Have a nice evening. It was nice to meet you. Wait, don't forget to take my manhood. 
You left it in your chair. B, okay, well, maybe you can communicate at some time in the future, perhaps over a meal that I'll wind up paying for and discover our common interests and endearing personality quirks, possibly over a drawn-out series of sexless, time-consuming dates. C, yeah, I should probably get back to my friends since I'm not going to see them until I'm back from my tour of duty, if I make it back, that is, from my tour of duty. Because I'm going to war at, at a recognized contemporary global conflict. Ergo, I'm a brave man and must likely appeal to some nested desire for protection deep within you. Or D. Offer a wistful look to the ceiling. Each day we're given on we're each day we're given on this, our protective and motherly orb is so special, and yet our de rigor patterns are rodentine marathon of repeated behaviors prevent us from really tasting all of life's passionate flavors. You clench your hands. I'm sure your friends are enjoying yet another average evening, but you fair and fortunate maiden have the opportunity to experience, to live, to breathe. Come adjourn with me to my nearby hotel suite for a creme de menthe and back rub conference. <laughs> Keynote speaker, you. He brought that fucking answer back. Yep. Oh, I think I'm going to have to go with C on this one. C? All right. Question four. It's last call. The lights come on. Suddenly, your long-legged Sally looks a lot more like the long-legged John Spider Sally, former Detroit Pistons forward. Decision? A. You know what? You've had a great discussion in the dark, and you're attracted to what's on the inside, not the particular set of elements that compose her exterior. It's time to gentlemanishly ask for her number so that you may compose yourself for a life with an amazing woman who looks like her face picked a fight with an iron and lost. B, bid farewell. You've had a nice conversation over the last hour or so, but it's time to rejoin your friends. After all, you're you're entering combat soon, but not without your virginity. That's safely intact. C, squint. Hard. Or D, mathematical formula. Number of drinks she's had, plus the number of drinks you've had, plus the numerical equivalent of her cup size, minus the number of your friends who have seen her in the light. Her drinks, plus your drinks, plus cup size, hers, minus friend witness, equals question mark. If the answer is is a positive number, invite her to your hotel suite. If it's negative... You run. You run fast and you run far. Zero, order another drink and invite her to your hotel. I like that answer. All right, D it is. And the last question. Question number five. Relative success. You've got her phone number, but she's trying to avoid your generous offer of aperitifs and shiatsu. Which, again, he brought back the, the freaking massage thing. Yep. Uh, foolishly believing you will call her very soon. If you're going to close tonight, you need to act fast. You've got the ball, Maverick. So, A, you suggest she share a cab with you and your friends. You never know. She might enjoy the company of your loud and drunk friends who, in the confined space of a cab, can delight her with colorful language, embarrassing stories, and the various odors they've accumulated throughout the evening. No doubt, a natural pheromone. B, you offer to treat her to a late-night coffee or meal, during which she can either sober up or fall asleep, 
while you dig through your pockets in search of change to pay for the basket of fries she made uh, she made you order, then devoured in front of you. C. Forget change of venue. You offer another drink at the bar in speculation of an amazing story you have to tell her. It's a story of an embattled soul in a cold city. A story of desperation and requited love. And guess what? You're the main character. D. Ask her if she wants to see your boat slash yacht. The best way to catch the moon and the glowing stars is on the Hudson, away from the light pollution of a confusing city. This is a toss between C and D. C. All right. So, you scored two points. Oh, Jesus. All answers A, B, and C are worth zero points. D is worth one point. If you had scored five points, which would have been all D, I would have said, congrats, John. You're a Barney-approved closer. However, because you scored four or less points, I get to say to you, congrats. You're a Barney-approved loser. Well, damn That's right. And he says here, if you fail, you have two options. One, you can invest in a buttocks donut and devote a solid four to five hours to my blog, a veritable guide to women. Or two, donate your genitalia to science. You clearly have no need for them. (laughs) Fair enough. So there it is, John. I'm sorry, but you are not a closer, according to Barney Stinson. And that was Barney's blog for this week. (laughs) Can't all be winners, man. That's true. That's true. At least not according to Barney. Uh, I think I'll take you the way you are, sir. I appreciate that. <laughs> so now that we've wrapped up this episode with a, a fun little quiz, let everybody know where they can hit you up if they want you to close. I mean, if you want me to close for you, you can find me on Twitter. It's simply saying J one. It's right over here in this little corner. Or if you're just listening on the podcast, then simply saying J one, hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on Facebook, pretty much find me anywhere. Uh, you can find me hanging out in bushes outside your window sometimes if you look carefully. And, I mean, if I'm not there, I might be at a bar throwing back a beer or two. You never know where you're going to see me these days. Sometimes I'm here. Sometimes I'm there. Sometimes I'm that guy, like I said, in the bushes outside your window. You'll never know. It's true. You can also find him bearing his soul on his own podcast, Simply Sane with Jay, the Nacho Mama's podcast. Check well, it out. Listen to him plug my podcast for me. Yeah. Check that and- shit out on Anchor. And you hop over on Josh's Twitter, which is J-P-R-A-Y-N-O-R. Boom. Finally got that shit. Finally. That's, <laughs> That's his right. main one. That's right. Or you hit me up uh, at Movie Blog Merc. That is a Twitter page for my site, Merc with a Movie Blog, of which you are watching, if you are watching, uh, on the Merc with a Movie Blog uh, YouTube channel. So uh, hit that like button. Smash that subscribe button. And uh, make sure to check off that little bell so you get all the notifications. And, of course, be sure to hit us up on Twitter at LastCallHIMYM. That's LastCallHIMYM. Send us all your thoughts, uh, anything that you uh, you want to talk about this episode or any future episode, anything to do with How I Met Your Mother. We're here to talk about it. We, we love mean, it. And you see we funny wanna... little quips, quirks. Yeah, a funny picture, a meme. I don't care what it is. <clears throat> Send it our way. Uh, Maybe you own a yellow umbrella. Maybe you own 
I mean, Red I know I own a piece of How I Met Your Mother memorabilia, and Josh <laughs> knows what I have. Yeah, buddy. You want to share that with the fans? Uh, well, for those of you who know me, I don't dress up much, but when I do, I prefer a really great cravat because <laughs> there is nothing as nice as a cravat. Don't you agree, Josh? I do. A or very maybe nice if you don't agree with me as much, We'll just call it a tie. <laughs> it's true. A very <laughs> nice, a very nice tie. Um, uh, some waterfowl. But yes, I, I got <laughs> the Barney Stinson rubber ducky tie from like late series, season eight, season nine, uh, after he loses another bet to Marshall and he has to just wear it. Uh, I got it for Christmas a couple years ago. It was a Christmas present for my mom. Um, great, great Christmas present. Yeah, absolutely. When that episode comes around, you're totally wearing that tie. Dude, when we get into that season, I will wear it for every episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Last Call at McLaren's. That's right. And uh, I hope that you enjoy, and I hope that you come back. John, what you got for him? I mean, you don't have to go home, but you all can't listen here. Catch you next time.